As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. That was the beginning of the Sam Darnold era in New York, and today, April 5th, 2021, is the end. The franchise quarterback of the future lasted three years in Gotham. Welcome in to the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes, our Jets writer at The Athletic and our producer, Marissa Morris. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple as well. We appreciate it. Plenty to get to. Obviously, we were going to record tomorrow, guys, but we got sped up, Connor. Some breaking news here with Sam Darnold. Got us, uh, got us going for another primetime edition. Yeah, we're you're streaking pretty well. I know I, I was bitching to you guys about it before because I had my um, I literally like sat down today. I had a nice little like schedule plan. I was going to have my uh, I, I had a story that, that was written out where I was going to do the value of the number two pick. And I had the, the NFL drafts trade chart and I basically pieced together the three or four realistic trades that the Jets could potentially look at. And what if they decided to trade, you know, every, every sign points towards Zach Wilson, but if the Jets decide to, you know, throw a curveball here and, and trade the number two pick for, for a massive amount of draft capital or whatever, this is what they could potentially be looking like. And I had a great lead written out and, and I got through, you know, how draft trades come together. And I got through this trade that might work with the Panthers, this one that might work with the Broncos, this one, that might work with the uh, the Chicago Bears I threw in there as a wild card. I was like, man, like the Jets aren't going to trade this pick, but this is what like people say the massive capital they could get. Man, look what they could potentially have. Literally messaged my editor saying, hey, I'm reading through this, Allison. It's almost done. It's probably going to be with you in 10 minutes. Finish it. Hit save. I'm about to hit file. I'm messaging you guys about the podcast and what time we're going to do it tonight. I'm like, oh, I just got to get to the gym. Tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Sorry, tomorrow morning. I was like, yeah, we're going to take care of it. Look on the tweet deck, make a quick little left glance, and I see obviously the uh, the Jets had had sent out their text messages to to the big the big wigs like the big NFL insiders and said, "Hey, we just traded Sam," so that's why you had the immediate text go out to or the immediate tweet from Ian and the immediate tweet from Adam, and all of a sudden it was like, "Holy hell, it's over!" and and it's it's um 
it's surprising, man, because like if you would have told me, I tweeted this, but if you would have told me in, in 2018, 2019, that in two of the next three off seasons, I would have been writing farewell columns to, to Sam Darnold and, and to uh, Jamal Adams, I would have told you you're out of your mind, you know, and, and to think that these two guys, these two guys that were considered cornerstones, especially Sam, you know, the, the franchise quarterback, the savior, you know, the guy that fell to New York, they got Sam Darnold. Holy cow. Sam Darnold is a jet quarterback is now gone. Uh, it, not even four years later is uh, it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, it's the 1,075 days. To, to the day that the Jets announced Sam Darnold was their quarterback and, and he's gone. It's it's pretty wild. Yeah, it certainly is. The statement from Joe Douglas today, I want to publicly acknowledge the commitment, dedication, and professionalism Sam displayed while with the Jets. He went on to say he's a tough-minded, talented football player whose NFL story has not yet been written. While all these things are true, this move is in short and long-term best interests of both this team and him. That's probably true. We thank Sam for all of his work on behalf of the organization and wish him well as he continues his career. So that's the send-off for Sam. The return, a 2021 sixth-round pick. That's this draft. And then next year, second rounder and a fourth rounder from a Carolina team that I would imagine next year not going to be an amazing turnaround for that team. So those probably pretty good picks. That second rounder probably in the first half of the second round. Connor, this is, I mean, considering the everything had kind of dried up, it felt like this is a pretty good haul for Donald. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I was actually talking to somebody over there about it. I was like, I'm kind of surprised you got what you did for him because – you know, there was always like that outside potential that if the Jets were able to create a bidding war for Sam, maybe they could get like a late one or maybe they could sneak up into the first round. But that would have taken the perfect storm. You know, that would have taken having the 49ers wanting it, the, the Panthers wanting them, the, the Washington football team wanting them, like, like a bunch of teams getting involved. And then you can create a, a bidding war and you end up getting more value than it's worth. But what ended up happening here was was the market for Sam dried up very quick. I mean, Tim, we talked like when this offseason began and, and we were kind of thinking about the possibility of a Sam Darnold trade. And, and we were like, all right, well, what teams could want him? And you kind of had the Indianapolis Colts were in there. Washington was in there. Chicago was in there. Um, the San Francisco 49ers were potentially in there. I mean, there were, there were a good probably six, seven, eight teams that you could easily say – that team might want Sam or that team might want Sam or that team might want Sam. But over the last few weeks, the last couple of months or so, those teams, that well has dried up. You know, the the Colts, one of the teams that, that we expected to make a run at Sam Darnold, went and traded for Carson Wentz instead. The Detroit Lions traded away Matt Stafford and then they got back Jared Goff. The Rams, who maybe could you know, send Sam back to L.A., they get Matt Stafford, you know, the, the Chicago Bears signed Andy Dalton. Washington signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, these the the 49ers, right? They were a team. Well, they traded all the way up to the number three pick in the draft. So they're going to draft a quarterback. They're not now going to trade for Sam Darnold. So all of these, this like perfect storm in the other way, you know, the worst possible storm for the Jets, if they wanted to, to piece together a Darnold trade and create a bidding war, it just didn't really happen. And, and what this ended up coming down to was the Panthers and the Denver Broncos. Those were the only two teams that were realistic suitors for Sam. And, you know, it was it was one of those things where and we talked about this, like the, the Jets were never going to trade Sam until they finished their evaluations of the top three quarterbacks in this year's class. They wanted to look at you know, obviously removing Trevor Lawrence from the equation. They wanted to look at Zach Wilson, 
They wanted to look at Trey Lance and they wanted to look at Justin Fields. And they were not going to make any decision on their quarterback until that final pro day, which was March 30th. Well, Ohio State's pro day finishes up. The Jets get all their medical red or medical checkups made with with uh, with Wilson, with Fields, with Lance. They've seen him in person. They've talked to him through Zooms. They met him a little bit. We saw Joe talking to Zach Wilson after his pro day. And now here we are, March 30th. We're on April 5th. The Jets have made their decision and they traded Sam away. And and obviously this was something that really came together over the last couple of days. But, you know, I reached out over there just to kind of see why the Jets decided to execute this now and not try to carry it over a little bit more, whether it was to a week before the draft or two weeks before the draft or even draft night, you know, try to like really get this thing as close to the draft as possible to maybe try to create that bidding war or try to get more for Sam. And, and what I was told was like, that was a consideration like like that did cross the Jets mind of, you know, maybe we should hold on to him a little bit longer. Um, what made them decide to do it now, though, is they didn't want to risk losing what was on the table. Like, like the Jets really liked this haul. They liked having the sixth round pick this year and the second and fourth next year. I mean, yeah, they would have liked to have more picks in this year's draft, but they liked that. They liked the two, four and a six for a quarterback that they clearly were not going to keep. They viewed that as good return. Would they have liked the first round pick? Yeah. Would they have liked two second round picks? Yeah. Would they have liked a conditional second like the uh, Eagles got for Wentz where it can become a first if, you know, this team makes the playoffs? Yeah, they absolutely would have liked that. But what they believed had the chance of happening is basically that they were they were playing with fire the longer that they waited to trade Sam. And, and what I mean by that and what was relayed to me was that the longer that they made this go through, they ran the risk of the Panthers saying, Dude, we don't want to wait. No, we're we're not we're not waiting any longer. We want to know what we're going to do at quarterback. So if you're not willing to accept this deal, we're out on Sam. We're going to go somewhere else. They also were worried about running the risk that they get this to the draft and the Panthers are picking eight. Maybe something funky. I mean, it sure looks right now like quarterbacks are going one through four or at least one through three. But something funky could happen where maybe the Panthers trade with the Falcons and they go up to four and suddenly the Panthers aren't trading for Sam Darnold because now a quarterback falls or someone they like is there and now they're drafting a quarterback and they're not in the Sam Darnold market. So what the Jets looked at this as is, is this is a return that we can be very happy with. This is a return that we can be very confident with. This is a return that's going to help our team in the future. So instead of trying to get cute, instead of trying to, uh, to, to try to turn, you know, an inch into a mile, you know, give an inch, take a mile kind of thing. Let's just, we like this package. Let's make it happen. Let's get it done and, and and let's accept the deal. And that's why the Jets did it when they did. And and like you said, Tim, I thought when this came down to Broncos and and basically Panthers, I thought the Jets were going to get a two and maybe like, like two, a, a second round pick or a third round pick. I mean, that's kind of what I thought this package was going to be. So to see them get a sixth, to get a second, to get a fourth, I mean, that that's a serious return for a player who I know is just 23. I know he still has a lot of potential. I know the Jets did nothing to help him out. But he still has not really shown anything through three years as a quarterback and was absolutely abysmal last year. And to be able to get this return for him, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big win for the Jets. Obviously, I have to turn these picks into something, but it's a big win for the Jets. You mentioned that he's 23, and, and I have a friend who always reminds me that he's younger than Joe Burrow, which is crazy, yeah. right? Because Joe Burrow transferred and was a four-year guy or a senior at LSU and all of that. So he's younger than than Joe Burrow, who played his rookie year, injured the knee, and is out, obviously. But 
But yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in what Joe Douglas said in that statement. I think we are going to eventually see a better Sam Darnold probably in Carolina, but we could also see a great Zach Wilson in New York. So you mentioned the picks. Here's the full um, allotment of picks over the next two years. I stole this from your tweet, Connor. Uh, 2021, two firsts, a second, two thirds, a fourth, two fifths, two sixths. And then in 2022, two firsts, two seconds, a third, a fourth, two fifths, and three sixths. So a ton of picks. And that obviously, beyond just all the players you could take, you probably aren't going to take that many players, but it gives you this great ability to play that game in the draft where you want to move up a few spots to get the guy you really like in a spot in the third round. All right, you you trade a couple picks and move up a little bit. It just allows you so many things that you can do in the draft. In the next two years, the Jets are set up to do exactly that. All right, before we get on to that number two pick, which we certainly have to talk about now that it's pretty much a set deal that that's going to be the Jets picking too. And imagine that it'll be a quarterback with that number two pick. Let's look back on the Sam Darnold era a little bit, right? We heard at the top of the show, the audio of him being drafted. And you had the rookie year where he had the great finish, right, Connor? And and he looked like Mm -hmm. he was going to be that guy. Then the sophomore year gets thrown off tracks because of mono, um, all the kind of weirdness that stemmed from that that season never really got going it took him a while to get back 100 percent, and then his third season obviously a complete disaster on all fronts but what are you going to take from from these three years of sam Darnold? because he was i mean beyond the struggles of this team i think everybody would still say he was the guy that people just rooted for till the end really yeah i i like actually i just like the column i just filed goes over a lot of this. It just, it just rehashes Sam's entire tenure with the jets. And I think, I think for, for me, it's, it's a story that reached its end. I mean, this was the only option for the jets. They, they, they could not pass on Wilson or fields. It's going to be Wilson, but they could not pass on Wilson once they, decided he's a franchise. I mean, th- this was the only option the Jets had, but it's the only option the Jets had. And, and, and really Darnold's failures in New York are as much the Jets doing as, as his own. I, I mean, Darnold failed the Jets because the Jets failed him. And, and it's kind of like a, a dysfunctional hand in hand marriage in that regard. I mean, you know, when, when I think about like the Jets drafting him. I remember talking to Mike McCagnan a lot about this. I talked to Todd about this. Like I, I remember talking to him and, and the Jets genuinely never thought Sam Darnold was a possibility in like drafting him. They they did not think that Sam was ever going to fall to them because he was the the suck for Sam. He was the the pristine golden option in that year's class. I mean, everyone saw what he did in that Rose Bowl against Penn State, like his his second his first year really starting, and he just became under everyone's microscope. And he was, you know, the Trevor Lawrence before Trevor Lawrence. And so he was supposed to go number one. You know, remember you had the Browns owner was was like sitting with Sam Darnold's family during his pro day at USC. And it was it was to the point where the Jets were convinced that he was going number one. I mean, when Sam came to the Jets for his pre-draft visit. They were talking to him like like they were talking to him about places to live in Cleveland. Like they were saying like, oh, like there's some really good neighborhoods. You could find a cool place here, a cool place. I mean, that's how convinced the Jets were. It was just never going to happen. And they didn't really think that Sam falling to New York was an option until basically Mike McCagnan woke up 
on the morning of the draft. And there started to be those rumors that no Baker Mayfield was going number one. And that was who the Jets thought they were trading up to get. They knew it was going to be Darnold one, Barkley two, and they were going to get Mayfield. And then it was almost like, I remember talking to Mike and him saying like, I wasn't letting myself believe it. Like I was hearing the Mayfield stuff. I was hearing the rumors. My guys were telling me it, but I wasn't willing to believe it yet. I was just, it was, I wasn't willing to believe it. And it wasn't until literally the draft card was handed in and Roger Goodell stood up there and said, you know, with the number one pick in the NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield, that McCagden was like, holy shit, we're about to get Sam Darnold. And to think about the draft day, you know, where they are just straight giddy. It's, it's Christopher on the phone with Sam saying, dude, you're going to love New York. And all of these like just good feels like the Jets quarterback drought is over. They finally got their guy. They've got the savior. The next Joe Namath, the one who is going to going to wear the fur coat finally right like the infamous fur coat he's finally going to put it on his shoulders and they finally have this franchise maybe that's where it all went wrong he didn't actually yeah. get a fur coat maybe and you remember it could have all been different yeah and, and you weren't like you weren't covering like like right. we didn't have this podcast yet but like when sam had the holdout right because like he had like they couldn't get his rookie contract done they finally get his rookie contract done and they have the slow clap as he's walking on to his first training camp practice and josh is giving him a hug and you're like Man, I remember sitting there watching that slow clap happen. I actually should go throw this in the story. Like watching him walk on OTAs with the slow clap led by Jamal Adams and being like, man, I can't wait to like talk about this moment in a book or talk about this in like my, you know, my kids when they're like, oh, you covered the, you covered Sam early. I was like, yeah, you know, this actually like telling these like cool little anecdotes and then having that first game against the Lions where, you know, he throws the pick six, but then comes roaring back and he's hitting Anderson for a touchdown. Quincy is moving all around and it's like, the Jets have a franchise quarterback. And obviously the first year he dealt with some injuries, missed some time, had the foot issue, you know, and it went bad. But then you had the final month of his rookie year. And to think about those final four games where he's going toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers, toe-to-toe with Deshaun Watson, and being like the Jets have their guy. And then seeing what happened from that to where we are today. I mean, it was – I mean, the, the Jets ruined, like, like I, the thing that I wrote in my column, the lead was that, you know, Sam loved New York. Like when Christopher said, man, you're going to love New York. Sam loved New York. New York did not love Sam back. And I don't mean the fans, the fans loved him. I don't mean he didn't have support. He had support. The Jets just, they failed him miserably. And the easiest thing to compare it to is what the Buffalo Bills have done with Josh Allen, where they drafted Josh Allen. And over the last three and a half, four years, they have done a remarkable job surrounding him with talent. You know, like, just look at him right now, right? It's, you've got, and this is Josh Allen I'm talking about, you've got Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, and Cole Beasley. You've got a good tight end. You've got a good offensive line. You've got Singletary and, and that running back they just drafted as well, Moss, Zach Moss. You've got a legit offense where you've set him up to be a franchise quarterback. You've made his life easy. You created an environment where your young quarterback can thrive. The Jets didn't do that for Sam. I mean, the Jets tied an anchor on his on his cleats, chucked him off the George Washington Bridge, and just sat there and watched as he sunk to the bottom. And he regressed, and he struggled, and he imploded. And a lot of that has to do with Sam, right? Because his fundamentals were never good. His decision-making was always atrocious. I mean, he's thrown into triple coverage. That's him. He never took the next step. He could never really read a defense. But – He also never had a great offensive line. He also never had offensive weapons. He never had – I mean, the Jets went from Jeremy Bates 
and somehow managed to get worse with Adam Gase and, and Dowell Loggins. I mean, so they just, it was a, a, a dysfunctional disaster when you talk about everything not to do when trying to develop a young quarterback. And it's sad because I, I don't think Sam is a bad quarterback. I don't. I, I don't know if he's good, but I don't think he's he's as bad as he looked with the Jets. And obviously, he's going to get a chance to, to show. He's going to play in now with Christian McCaffrey. He's back with Robbie Anderson. He's got uh, more outside as well, a good tight end. I mean, he's got a really good opportunity in Carolina and, and, and kind of warmer weather, all that stuff. It's going to be good. But it's like I you wonder – you wonder what it could have been with the Jets. And and the the story, I've told this story on this podcast before, the, the NFL owners meetings every year. And, and the thing I love about the NFL owners meetings is there's this dinner that they have where you have all coaches, all general managers, all owners and stuff are at this dinner with media. And, and you finally get a chance to like have some very casual conversations with these executives. There's no recorders. There's no, I want a headline. You're just like bullshitting with these guys and you're just talking with them. And Mike McCagnan was was many things, obviously, when you talk about how he did his job. But what I think fans don't realize is, is he was an incredible, humble person. I mean, he didn't want the limelight. He didn't want the accolades. He just loved football and wanted to build a football team. And I remember talking to him. He had a glass of champagne and, and he was walking back to his room after this dinner. And I ran into him and we were just kind of ha- casually having a conversation. And I was talking to him about Sam. And this was right after the Jets had, fire, had hired Adam Gase. And just a couple months before Mike actually ended up getting fired. And, and he said, you know, Connor, he goes, I don't, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this job for. But the one thing that I know I can always say, and the one thing that I'll always be proud of, is that I can say I'm the guy who drafted the Jets their next franchise quarterback. And he wasn't saying that for a headline. He wasn't saying that to pat himself on the back. He genuinely believed that inside. And he found that that was so cool, that the Jets, the he hated the saying. Mike hated the saying, same old Jets. And he thought, like, having Sam, and after what Sam showed his rookie year, he was like, I can always be the guy that got the Jets the next franchise quarterback. And honestly, man, like, he might have. Like, Sam might be a franchise quarterback. He might be. And Mike might have been right. He might have drafted the Jets a franchise quarterback. But we're never going to know because of Mike's failures, Joe's failures, Christopher's failures, to create an environment where this kid could have success and this kid could thrive and eliminate the variables where you could really evaluate this guy. The Jets were basically left with a situation this offseason where they had no other choice but to trade Sam because as much as there's a chance that he's a franchise quarterback, there's also a chance that he's just not. And you don't know because you could never evaluate him because you never had you never eliminated these variables to evaluate him. So the Jets had no choice but to trade him. They really didn't. They had no choice but to trade Sam because they couldn't pass on Zach Wilson for what they hoped Sam might be. So once they evaluated Zach and realized that he is a franchise quarterback and they think he has franchise quarterback potential, that was it for Sam. And and like I said, it's a shame. It's a shame because I don't think it necessarily had to be this way. It was. This is how it went down. The Jets had no choice but to trade him. But I, I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think it had to be this way. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Connor, back to the number two pick. We've talked enough about Sam Darnold. Let's turn the page. Let's go on to who's next. I mean, we've continued to talk about the fact that Zach Wilson's the guy, but I'll start with the question, I guess. Is that what's the percentage do you think in your mind right now that it's Zach Wilson and the Jets aren't going to surprise us with one of those other quarterbacks? Ninety nine percent is going to be Zach Wilson is what I would say. I, I think I'm I'm fairly confident that very confident that Zach Wilson is going to be the guy. I mean, it's the I think what people need to realize is like he's everything that this offense needs. And, and you can look I. We have all heard like where people are saying like this, this hype train, the Zach Wilson hype train is like at like accelerating daily and reaching supersonic levels. Like I've never seen anything like this hype train before, but Zach was put on our radar when the Jets beat the Rams and he came on this podcast and Dane did. Dane, Dane came on this podcast, Brugler, and he was like, look, I'm just telling you guys, everyone's all upset and depressed because Trevor Lawrence isn't coming to the Jets. You guys are going to like this Zach Wilson kid. Like there's a lot to like there now. From Dane saying that to everyone else seemingly like getting on this train and just riding it like crazy. I mean, to the point where like people saying like I watched NFL Network. I had that on the other day and they did a player comparison and they built Zach Wilson. And he had like Russell Wilson's <laughs> arm, Pat Mahomes, body, Aaron Rodgers head. Like it was like they just they basically built Jesus as a quarterback. Like it was like what what you would like. Uh, he's uh, Jesus rose yesterday and here's Zach Wilson. Right. Like. <laughs> Like, seriously, like, it's like, why? Like, they just built a Jesus quarterback. And I was like, all right, this is a little much. I mean, the. Especially because he's not going number one. I mean, we're talking yeah. about the number oh. two pick. Yeah. Oh, no. It's seriously, dude. They, they put like, it was Mahomes, Rogers, Wilson, and Tony Romo. They gave him Tony Romo's elusiveness. I was like, what are we doing here? So, like, I think that has honestly gotten a little extreme. Like, the, that's. Next like when you're saying Mahomes and Rodgers, like just stop. Like it's 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 not that much. But when you look at this the actual scouting report on Zach Wilson, I mean it is picture perfect for this scheme. I mean, I I talked to somebody, we wrote this story months ago, and I've referenced it before, but I talked to somebody whose job it was was to evaluate Robert Sala and the 49ers and build a game plan to beat them. Like that was this person's job. And it was it was to Look at the solid defense and look at the LaFleur slash Shanahan offense and figure out what it does well, what it does wrong, and how you beat it. And I talked to him to piece this story together and say, like, okay, let's let's figure it like how like tell me what I'm about to be covering and then kind of let me fill in readers on how it works. And he we got in obviously with the offense, what you need a quarterback to do. And he said, This Shanahan offense, which is exactly what LaFleur is going to be running, needs a quarterback that is mobile. But when I say mobile, I don't mean like Lamar Jackson mobile. I mean, with the ability to get outside the pocket on like bootlegs and rollouts and stuff like that and throw on the run. It also needs a quarterback that can throw off platform where you can contort your body in different ways and still deliver nice passes. It needs a quarterback that is deadly accurate. So somebody that is going to be able to hit every pass and and put it into tight windows. That's what it needs. Now, what takes this offense to the next level, what the 49ers haven't been able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo 
is when you have a quarterback, because this offense is going to be very run heavy. It's going to be about the zone offense, the zone run, quarterbacks going to be thrown to spots, lots of play action passing, lots of bootleg stuff like that. But when a defense shut down, shuts down the run, what takes this scheme to the next level is when you can have a quarterback that can stand in the pocket, play within the pocket, and stretch the ball down the field and attack down the field without turnovers. That's Zach Wilson. I mean, watch his pro day. And like I, I said to somebody over at the Jets, I was talking to somebody at the Jets building, and I was like, look, I was like, I'll be honest with you guys. I was like, it's a good thing. I was like, I know Joe likes this poker hand and stuff, and like poker face, not going to let anyone know what he's talking about. I was like, it's a good thing everyone over there was wearing masks because I can swear to God, if he was like him and Salah and the floor, all of their mouths would have been on the floor watching watching uh, Zach Wilson throw because it's perfect. It's what they want. He Like you saw all those rollouts where he's rolling left, contorting his body and throwing still accurately on the move. You saw obviously the arm strength that stretched down the field, all the different ways he was contorting his body to still make impressive throws. That's what the Jets need. So yeah, Sam would have been a fit. This offense would have fit Sam, but Zach is perfect for this offense. He is a perfect fit for this offense. And as soon as the Jets checked off the medical red flags, as soon as the Jets met with him personally to ensure there were no personality red flags, as soon as the Jets saw him throw in person and they completed their evaluation, it was Zach Wilson. I mean, it was probably Zach Wilson already, but that just confirmed it. I mean, that was that was the confirmation of Zach Wilson's the guy. So I would be absolutely stunned if it's not. I mean, 99.9, maybe 99.5. I'll drop down a little bit in case something wild happens where Deshaun Watson's completely cleared of all of this stuff and he comes in and it looks fine and maybe the Jets go, okay, you know, now we got all these extra picks. Let's package a few together to go get Deshaun. So maybe that's a possibility. But if they're making a pick at number two, it's going to be Zach Wilson. And, and we'll see how he develops. Nobody knows. Like, nobody freaking knows. I mean, Josh Rosen was supposed to be a stud. He sucks. Like, Josh Allen was supposed to be the biggest developmental project. He's the best of the bunch. Lamar Jackson goes 31 or 32, whatever he was. He's second behind Josh Allen. I mean, there's just no one knows when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. But the Jets have convinced themselves that Zach Wilson's the guy. And when you look at the scouting report and you look at what he does well, it fits this offense so well. Now it's just about watching it go and watching and seeing how it plays and, and watching to see if this takes off and, and works the way the Jets hope it does. So if they do take a quarterback at number two, this stat from ESPN, and this isn't one to be proud of, but the Jets will be the first team to select two quarterbacks within the top three overall picks in a four-year span ever. So I guess in the past when teams have taken a quarterback that highly and it has failed, they've either stuck with the experiment longer or hadn't been bad enough to be back in the top three. But the Jets have managed to to do both. They're pulling the plug. They're in the top three and and likely to take probably Zach Wilson at number two. But that's kind of an interesting stat to kind of sum up where the Jets are at right now. Um, so, so that's your starting quarterback eventually will be probably Zach Wilson, if not one of those other guys. But we got a question today, I think, through Twitter, Connor. But then we have one in the chat that kind of fits in the same way here. Who's going to be the veteran on the roster? Who's going to teach Zach? Because you don't draft a quarterback mm-hmm. number two overall and just say, hey, kid, you're on your own. You know, you need that that experienced veteran guy who's probably going to start at the beginning of the season, maybe, depending on mm-hmm. how, I guess, I don't training think camp. So. All right. Or, or even if Wilson is starting game one, you need the guy who's on the sideline mm-hmm. that can talk to him between series, right? Yeah, and I would I think I mean you look at the free agent class, there's not too many great names out there, but the the one that stands out to me is like it just makes all the sense in the world is Alex Smith. I mean, because like the thing about Joe is like 
Joe's also not going to go into the season without a veteran behind him. I mean, we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I don't know how many times I've written it. Joe understands the value of a backup quarterback more than anyone else I know. Like, like Joe, like he know he knows the value of a backup quarterback and an experienced backup quarterback. I mean, the guy has three Super Bowl rings on his finger. One came when Trent Dilfer, a veteran, took over for Baltimore. And I know they rode the I know they rode the, that defense to a championship, but still, I mean, they had him. Like they they had they they had Trent Dilfer come in and Dilfer played a good game against the Giants through that touchdown uh, down the right sideline. I think it was Seahorny beat. Like, like, see, he had a, a good game in that route. Obviously, he won his second Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, the third one he won with the Eagles. Carson Wentz is that team's quarterback for 11, 12 weeks, goes down against the Rams. Nick Foles, a veteran quarterback, comes in and leads them to a Super Bowl. So he needs, he understands the value of a veteran. He wants somebody that if something were to happen to the quarterback and that quarterback goes down, he can say, all right, we still got confidence in this guy, so we'll go forward with it. And looking at the guys that are out there, I'm a little surprised the Jets haven't didn't get in in like the Colt McCoy sweepstakes and and even the Andy well Andy Dalton wanted to start but like some of the other veteran quarterback sweepstakes right now if Alex Smith wants an opportunity I don't think there's a better one than the Jets and obviously there's some the Jets medical staff like obviously has has come under heat the last couple of years obviously with what happened with Kleche Osemele and and although that was you know, whatever and and then some stuff that happened with like CJ Mosley. So there's some like and Quincy Anunwa and like there's some like issues there. So maybe Alex Smith, whose leg literally almost fell off, like maybe he doesn't necessarily want to get involved there. But if he's looking for the right opportunity for him, I mean he's a guy who's going to come in and have a chance to compete and start. Although no, this is going to be the same thing as what we talked about, Sam. It's not about what the veteran does. It's not. It's about once the rookie quarterback is ready to play and he's not going to be a liability on the field, you put the rookie quarterback out there because the most valuable thing about a rookie quarterback is the rookie quarterback contract. And you need to get him ready to play. And the snaps he plays year one is going to benefit him in year two. You have to get him on the field ASAP. But if they bring in Alex Smith, it's A, it's insurance in case he, the rookie isn't ready, where it's like a Tua Tagaloa situation where he's just not ready to play. So you have Alex Smith play like Ryan Fitzpatrick did last year. And two, there is literally, I can't imagine a single better situation for a, like a single better person for a young quarterback to learn behind than Alex Smith. I mean, what hasn't Alex Smith experienced throughout his career? Number one pick in the draft, considered a bust very early in his career. 49er fans hate him. He sucks, right? Harbaugh gets there, takes over. Alex Smith has a career revitalization, gets them to the playoffs. I think he took him to, didn't he start the AFC? I think he started the NFC championship game against the Giants, that the Giants beat him. I think Alex Smith was that team's quarterback. So not only was he successful, but he goes and he takes them to an NFC championship game. So he has on-field success. Then he loses his job to Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers trade him. So you go from number one pick franchise's savior. You have a lot of on-field success. You lose your job to injury. Colin Kaepernick takes over your team, trades you. That's adversity. He weathered that, went to Kansas City, leads them to a bunch of success. Regular season success takes him to the playoffs. He then loses his job to Pat Mahomes, who's drafted first overall. He basically helps prepare and he rears... Pat Mahomes to the point where Pat Mahomes is ready to take over. He gets the guy ready to take his job, trades him to Washington where it's dysfunction USA still finds success there. I think he was what six and four or something like that before he really hurt his leg has that career devastating injury. You never know if he's going to be able to play again, bounces back from that gets a chance to play next year. And didn't he go like five and one as a starter or something? So this is a guy who's dealt with turmoil in terms of like, you were a bust, no fought back from that. Has had regular season success, postseason success, come back from injuries, helped a young quarterback already in Mahomes. I mean, there is no one better 
than Alex Smith right now if Alex Smith wants the job. Because there are going to be other opportunities where maybe Alex Smith would prefer to go to, well, I think Trevor Lawrence is definitely starting week one, but maybe another one of these opportunities pops up and he sees that as a better fit for him. But he's a scheme fit. Obviously, he would have been a really good scheme fit before the injury, but he fits He fits the mentor role. He's had success before. He's proved last year he can still play. He's good with those short intermediate passes, which is West Coast. I think Alex Smith is is your ideal perfect option to be the backup quarterback and and I would ex- that would be a phone call that the Jets just traded Sam now it's make the call and and now make that happen make that make that one happen and, and bring him in here it would be I'm not saying this like per source the Jets are going to pursue him this is just me speaking it makes too much sense for it not to happen and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so let's jump at a time machine. Think back three years ago, Sam Darnold's the number three pick. He joins this roster. Obviously, it's a it's a different front office. It's a different head coach. But when you look at the rosters, comparing the roster then, Connor, for Sam's rookie year and what the roster is going to look like this year in 2021, because this is a team that went 2-14 and 14 last season, is this roster significantly better? Is it similar to three years ago? How would you kind of compare those two rosters for a rookie quarterback? Oh, I got to do it now. Um, so who was? I think I just gave you an article, a story idea for your next article this week. You too. did. I think I included. <laughs> I might have deleted that blurb. I'm trying to. Well, I'm trying to think now who Sam was throwing to his rookie year. So he had Jermaine Curse. He had Deontay Burnett. Um, Andre Roberts was catching touchdowns for him that final month of the season. Uh, he had Chris Herndon. I don't think he had Ryan Griffin yet. So he had Chris Herndon as a rookie. The offensive line was dog poo. Um, who were his running backs? Well, I don't think Forte was still there. Forte retired. So who the hell were the running backs? I don't know. You got to look that up for me. I don't remember who the I Jets am, yeah. running backs were three years ago. I'm Googling. Well, I'm curious. But I mean, that's just think about that. Like, I remember when he started that game against the Bills. So he started when, when Bilal Powell was a star. Oh, God. Back. Yeah. So there you go. So I have a great Bilal Powell story. Uh, receivers were Robbie and uh, Quincy Anunua and Herndon. Yeah. So he had and Eric Thomas. Yeah. That, the but time. then they ended up getting hurt. Like Quincy was yeah. out. Like Quincy didn't because the final game, the final like month of that rookie season, Sam was throwing and to Crowell, Deontay. The chat says. Oh, yeah. Crow. Oh, I remember it. That was Dude Wipes. That was Dude Wipes. Isaiah Crowell's Dude Wipes. Um, <laughs> He, uh, God, whoa, what a team. Holy hell, I've done a lot in the last three years. Um, so I remember that final month, his rookie season, he was throwing to, when because everyone else was down. Robbie was still going. Deontay Burnett was there. Jermaine Curse was there. Andre Roberts was catching touchdowns because he threw one against the Vikings to Andre Roberts in the corner of the end zone. Uh, and then obviously he had Quincy, but Quincy was in and out with injuries and things like that. So 
You compare that offense to the one that the Jets have now, they are significantly better set up. I mean, I, I just I wrote this like the offense that the Jets are going into week one with injury permitting. Quarterback would be Zach Wilson running backs. You can say like, OK, there's not that much talent. But again, like I said, this like you'll I mean, Raheem Mosert and Matt Breida were not world beater names before the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. And everyone's like, who the hell's Raheem Mosert? Right. They came out of nowhere. So you don't need running backs names to run this offense. You need a skill set. And the skill set is speed and one cut ability. And the Jets have that in Ty Johnson. The Jets have that in Josh Adams. They now have that in Tevin Coleman. So the running back situation is, is good. It's good for this offense. You have a tight end in Chris Herndon, who obviously had a dreadful year last year, but he's somebody that the Jets genuinely do believe in. You then have three receivers that are better than what the Jets have had at any point over the last five years dating back to 2015. The 2015 and 2016 seasons when the Jets had Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, and Quincy Anunwa, that is the only receiving trio that the Jets had that are better than this receiving option that they have right now of Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, and Keelan Cole, because they're now 40. And if you want to go even further, I mean, they got some talent like Lawrence Cage or guys like that, who the Jets do like like some of the things that they can do, Braxton Berrios. They can probably go five or six deep, but they've at least got four guys that all have legitimate number two potential. And in Corey Davis, he's a guy that you believe has number one potential and is just scratching the surface. The offensive line, I like what the Jets have at left and right tackle. I know some people are down on Fant, but I like Fant a lot at right tackle. Love Mekhi Becton, obviously. Connor McGovern should be better in this scheme. They need to improve the guard positions, but still Alex Lewis, Greg Van Roten. What people need to realize is like that's significantly better than what the Jets have had the last couple of years. But now, remember, the Jets have 10 picks in this year's draft now. They've got two first-rounders, a second, two-thirds. Don't they have – is it two-fourths or one-fourth? I mean, they're, they're loaded with draft picks. They have six selections within the first four rounds of this draft. So talent is coming. Like the, the Jets, like the Jets are trending in the right direction. They're already set up better now than they were Sam's rookie year, Sim's second year, or Sam's third year. And they still have another 10 draft picks to continue to build this out because the Jets are absolutely 110% addressing the interior offensive line with either that number 23 pick or the second round. They are going to do that. They're probably going to add another receiver. They're probably going to add a running back. They're probably going to add a tight end. Then you're drafting Zach Wilson. And that's not even including the ton of picks that they now have going next year. I mean, the Jets have four picks within the first two rounds next year after this trade with the Panthers. So yes, they're set up better right now than they were. What I think people do need to realize though is like, it's only going to get better with these draft picks. Now the caveat is, and this is like the big thing and and it's, you know, what Joe should always follow with when he says, Oh, I want to build through the draft. I want to build through the draft. I want to build through the draft. Yeah, that's great in theory. But Mike said the same thing. Mike McCagnan said over and over and over again, build through draft, build through draft, build through draft. Build through draft doesn't work if you don't hit your draft picks. So the Jets have a ton and they are set up better to build this team into a legitimate force in the AFC, in the division, in the conference, everything. It all comes down to Joe hitting on his pick. So on paper, they are better right now. Yes, they have a chance to be really, really good if they hit on these picks, which obviously is, I mean, that's a huge if. That's a huge, huge if. And we'll know in about a month, the draft coming up. We're going to keep you uh, updated throughout this month leading into the draft, all the latest stuff. Obviously, Sam Darnold being traded, a huge domino along the way. Um, as we wrap things up here, Connor, last thoughts on the career of Sam Darnold as a New York Jet? Uh, it's kind of what I said, man. It's it's just like, I 
I remember, like, I, I have a good Sam story. I like so when and the Jets are like when the Jets hire a new coach and there's no pandemic, or the Jets hire a new executive and stuff, or they draft a new quarterback like this. What they generally do, and it's very common around the NFL, is you have like a one-on-one meet and greet with that player, and it's basically like when it's the coach. You go to his office and you have like 30 minutes off the record where it's like, hey, my name's Connor. I cover the team. We're going to see each other every day. Let's just kind of get to know each other a little bit. And the team sets it up and they always do it when there's a new coach, when there's a new GM, and usually when there's a new franchise quarterback. So when the Jets drafted Sam, I remember like I had my meet and greet with Sam. And and the one, like a lot of people used it as like an opportunity to write a story because it was on, it could have been on the record. You could have it on, you could have this one on the record. You could write like a one-on-one story when you got the quarterback one-on-one. I remember talking to my editor, Chris Strauss at the time. And I was like, man, I was like, Sam's not going to tell me anything that he hasn't told everyone else. We've already written three or four Sam franchise quarterback stories. I was like, do you mind if I just use this as an opportunity to talk to him off the record and like not write a story, just basically bullshit with him and get to know Sam. And I remember like I, I sat down with Sam outside the locker room. He's in a chair. And I'm in a chair. And, and Jared with the, the their media relations guys, like, you know, making sure I basically don't beat up Sam like off on the corner. Like I don't get in a pro, like, you know, like say something bad or whatever. Like, you know, they always have the media relations guy making sure everything's in line. And uh, I'm sitting there with Sam. And I remember I asked him a question and I was like, I was like, Sam, I was like, oh, dude, I was like, I, I know you didn't read it. I was like, but, you know, before the draft, it looked like the Jets, there was a chance. To, I was like, I talked to your old high school coach, Jamie. And like Sam goes full media mode he's like you know jamie's actually my old high school coach is very much like todd bowles here with the jets and you know they're very similar and he starts like giving i was like dude i was like sam look at me i was like there's no recorder there's no phone i was like i'm just here to talk to you man and he goes oh okay he goes this will be a lot more fun then and he like slumps back in the chair like this and we just start talking and we just start having like a casual nice conversation and it wasn't about football at one point he goes he goes i gotta ask you this so how do you become a reporter he goes how does this like happen like do you go to like training he goes is there like a training camp for reporter and we're like just having and it was the most relaxed i've ever seen him and you know i remember like having that conversation with him and just saying like man this guy is so perfectly set up for new york because he was eli manning-esque in that like never too high never too low, never got angry, never got upset. And I remember being so convinced watching him early in his career, his rookie year uh, at different points in practices and being like, he's just different. Like he's just, and, and I, I've look, I started covering the NFL in 2014. I watched John, I was covering giants OTAs and minicamp. And then I started covering the jets. So I've never seen a franchise quarterback work. I saw Eli Manning, his first training camp with Ben McAdoo, which anyone who covered that camp will tell you he looked like an undrafted rookie because it was the first time he was learning a new offense. Then I came to the Jets and I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith and um, oh God, who was that kid they had from Miami? Jake Heaps, like Jake Heaps and then Petty and then Hackenberg. And like, I just saw it was just bad quarterback plays. So I had never seen a franchise quarterback to be able to say like, oh, Sam is doing what Andrew Luck did at this point, or he's doing what this guy did at this point. Like there was no, I couldn't compare it to anyone, but I remember seeing him do things, whether it was like going through four different reads to then dump it down to a running back or realizing it wasn't there and throwing it away that first summer where I'm like, man, he's different. And I can't tell you if it's franchise. I can't tell you if it's top 10. I can't tell you something, but he's different than anything I've seen before. And I personally genuinely do believe that if the Jets gave him 
a real offensive line, if they gave him a real head coach or at least a real offensive coordinator, if they gave him real weapons and real receivers, I genuinely do believe that we are not having this conversation here today. I genuinely do believe that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback. I really felt that then, and I still feel that now. But you can't ignore what's happened the last two years. I mean, he never developed footwork. He was never able to read a defense. His decision-making that plagued him with turnovers in college plagued him so much in 2020. And you almost wonder if all of those beatdowns that he took his first year, all the beatdowns he took year two, all the stuff that went through in year three, if it just broke him. And when you have a broken quarterback, sometimes it's impossible to fix. Sometimes you need new scenery. Sometimes it just never gets better. Derek Carr had more talent than anyone I'd ever seen coming out of college. And the Texans just just ran that guy over with a truck for three years before they got rid of him, where when he went to San Francisco and had a chance to be, he just, he was beaten like, or uh, he was just a beaten quarterback. He couldn't do it anymore. And I wonder if that's Sam. I hope it's not because I do wish him the best. Cause I, I like getting to know him. I like talking to him. He was always a good conversation. He was always so respectful and nice to the media. He has a great family. His coaches love him. Great hometown. And it is kind of a shame what happened because like I said, what what the story I'm always going to remember and I always go back to is talking to Mike at the owners meetings and having him say, you know, I, the, I, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but at least I can always say I drafted the Jets a franchise quarterback. And to see how much hope and optimism this team had for this kid just three years ago to 1,075 days later trading him for a sixth, second, and fourth, it's sad because I, I don't I don't think it had to go this way, but we'll never know because the Jets never gave him the top-tier talent. They never gave him the offensive line. They never gave him the great coaching to eliminate the variables to truly figure out what kind of a quarterback Sam can be, and hopefully the Panthers can do that. I mean, he's already got more talent there than he ever had here, probably has better coaching with Matt Rule than he had with Gase and obviously Todd and Jeremy. So now maybe we'll get we'll finally get a chance to see what Sam can do with all of these better options. I just hope that the damage that he endured these last three years hasn't hurt him so much where he won't reach his potential with Carolina. The end of the Sam Darnold era in New York and the end of this podcast here tonight. Thanks for joining us on YouTube uh, or if you're tuning into the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. If you need a subscription to The Athletic, join now. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. You can join for just $3.99 per month. You can read all of Connor's work, all of our other NFL writers in every single sport, the best writing around at The Athletic. We'll be back with you weekly between now and the draft. So we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great week, everyone.